Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Christ, yeah, you're right. Dot watching. If we can find entertainment in dot watching somebody ride across Australia or the length of America, you'd think, yeah, enduro. Oh, we could watch that somehow. <laughs> I've been out for hours. I've done two days of this stuff. I was, I was just thinking this is like that rich energy thing. Hello and welcome to this week's Single Track World podcast. I'm Hannah, and in the studio with me we have, in alphabetical order. Hang on. Working it out sur- <laughs> surname or first name? Oh, first name. <laughs> me, Ben G. Ben and G. me, Benjamin. Mark. Smooth start, like hot off the start line there, which is totally appropriate because we're going to talk about racing and we're all shit at the start line, aren't we? <laughs> and the finish line comes to <laughs> And the middle bit as well for some of us, I guess. Uh, kind of welcome back because we've had a bit of a break from our random chats over the summer because we've been on holidays and in some instances racing so that was Benji Benji had to step in actually I was supposed to be racing and then I removed my arm from my body and so Benji had to go racing instead and and how was it Benji? Steep and not dry (laughs) it did actually look steep on camera which is mm. quite unusual. Like normally, you can watch like a downhill World Cup and go, oh, "It's not that steep. I'd give that a go." And yeah, and then you realise it is steep, which makes me think that what you were riding was properly vertical. Yeah, it was good. That's one of the reasons why it was up for doing it really, because you, know, you got to a lot of um, this is the naughty Northumbrian up in Northumbria. I don't even know where it was near, apart from nowhere, <laughs> Adrian's Wall. Really good, good tracks. Really, I don't. It's like you go to a lot of enduros and they aren't um, <clears throat> quite shallow a lot of the time. Particularly, I don't know. It's just ones I attend. And then I don't think I've ever done an enduro that wasn't muddy, like a shallow muddy enduro. I've just had enough of those. So a steep, ridiculous one that's also wet was all right. Really, 
I edited those videos. I say videos because there was there's a suite of three videos coming up. I don't think and they might be out when this podcast comes out. We mm-hmm. don't know. I edited a, a ride that I did in Whistler on a, tri- a famous trail over there. Hopefully, some of our listeners will know about it. It's called Top of the World Trail. It goes from the very summit of Whistler Mountain all the way down to the valley. And it is super tech and in places super, super steep. And I was editing it and I was looking at it and going, it, yeah, I think it looks steep. It looks steep on this thing. Yeah, no, oh, the camera really does make steep trails look shallow. And then I edited yours, Ben, and it looked steep on the video. When people see it, you can see how <laughs> steep it is. So it must have been vertical, literally, in yeah. places. Mm. It looked nuts. Yeah. I was surprised how many. It was good, actually, because it was like... I was impressed at the level of riding of that many hundreds of people. It was because they weren't pros or anything like that. It was like, oh, it's good that people are actually. I think their general level of riding was quite a lot higher than uh, I'd seen it before. Really, but that, I don't know whether the people knew it was like that or. But it was good, particularly with such a mixed field where no one was on. Ridiculous bikes. We were all on bikes that you'd be out on the weekend. Um, what would constitute good. a ridiculous bike? Um, just so you know, like bike park bikes or really over um, bikes that don't really like to go along or uphill. They're all on pretty good. Well, that's the thing about normal bikes. Hmm. It's uh, you've got to have you can't have a downhill bike, or you can, but you'll suffer on the stages. Because how long were the stages between stages? How long were the transfers? What do they call them? Transfers. That's it. Yeah, that's well, the, the, the whole the, the day, full day, full lap was going to be. I think it said forty k, but that when if you looked at the map, that didn't include getting to the edge of the map. So I think <laughs> it was about fifty k a day. You're supposed to do it on Saturday. As a bike practice, yeah, inverted commas, and then do the actual event on the Sunday. So it was like, <laughs> so was there like mandatory ride the whole thing slowly on Saturday? Yes. Okay, and then well, they, you they, actually they, they, raced they, it on the Sunday. They preferred. There was like practice was compulsory, I think. But do I spoil anything by saying I wasn't the only one who bailed after? Three because they were freezing cold. Right. <laughs> Bank like, holiday weekend, of course. At what point? It's you know, it's, it's like I get the idea. It's going to be hard and technical, which I guess is kind of the point of the practice. So I'm fine. Don't worry. I'm not going to go home. Uh, I've done the ones that I knew were the steepest and the hardest ones, um, but I'm now not going to kill myself on the practice day. And, uh, not necessarily. Just like I just be. Won't be able to do it the day after. after be... so, so, well, that kind of fits into the amateur world of enduro and what mm. state is it in? Like, what do you get for your money from entering a race? And there's there's lots of people that say that down entering a downhill race is really poor quality, but poor value because you get sort of a few runs on the Saturday and then you get even mm. fewer runs on the Sunday and then you go home with a bike that has broken bits on it. Um, that's an expensive weekend out. And enduro kind of traditionally was a bit more of a ride with your mates, bit of a party in the field, kind of go camping and 
hopefully by the end of it you've got enough miles per pound to make it feel worthwhile now you had a lot of miles per pound because you had to ride on the saturday like basically the whole thing and again on the sunday uh, that seems like quite an intense weekend like not a oh let's have a ride and a party saturday night it seems like by sunday you'd be broken <laughs> i don't think any racing is good value for money is it Oof. But XC racing is the same, isn't it? What's that, like an hour? What's that one? Amanda did it. was about 15 minutes. <laughs> really? <laughs> different sorts of... Yeah. But it's not... It's not uh, you're, not paying for, you're not paying for the yard. You're paying mm. for um, the race format. That's yes. What, that's where all the money is. That's stuff. It's, and mostly um, Northumbrians on tracks you can't normally ride, isn't it? It's not like you're going to go and race around i don't know a trail center none of them are rights of way of any uh status i don't think so and they're all in nominal i don't know if it's forestry commission i don't even know if that exists anymore but they're it's yes and no i don't really know it's one of those gray areas isn't it a 50 kilometer loop hmm. doesn't sound conducive to spectatoring no. So it's, we were talking about this earlier. This, so we, Enduro is definitely one of those race formats that's for the racers. It's a participation event, isn't it? It's not really a spectator sport. Which makes yeah. it a tough, a tough like gig for a family weekend away. That, I guess that's where things like Tweedlove and stuff, they've got an expo in the field and there's stuff to do. Mm while everybody else is out racing and slogging around and hard rock as well does yeah, the same yeah. thing, doesn't it? It's a, it's kind of a festival mm. with I think some it, races. I attached. think Enduro probably has I don't know, I've never really done any other I've done downhill racing of it. Um none of it's good for spectators, is it? I mean it's um apart from high level dragging people along to these things. It's like like, well, this is a good point for me to play a clip that people who've watched the video, if you know, of you doing the North Northumbrian, won't actually see because it's a bit of an outtake. I didn't so, win. Yes, it's. <laughs> I'm going to play it now, and then I want to just. Uh, I think it brings. It's funny. It brings up a good point though. So let's just uh, just listen to this. I did video coming into the end because I thought, well, I'm like, here's an ending. Yep. Deeply, like they always are at these things. No, if it even looks at you. See, I've been <laughs> out for hours, <laughs> done two days of this stuff, expecting at least some kind of guy to. Oh, I just, I just come in here, do I? It's total silence and hand in my dipper and then go home. <laughs> Get a little receipt. I've been <laughs> to fucking Aldi. So, how are we going to finish? I didn't this? record my third stage, but I didn't really care about that point. <laughs> What about that? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, it's interesting, isn't it? It's, um, you've done all that racing, you've been out for hours, you've free, frozen yourself, you know, and uh, you, you badly blistered your, your foot, didn't oh, you? Oh, God, both of them, yeah. Yeah. And then you come in at the end and you've achieved all of that and you just roll into the finish and there's no one there. And you get, what did you say? You got a little receipt like you'd been shopping at Aldi. <laughs> Is that? I mean, this is this is kind I've of lost common. It as well. I've, I've, you know, I've, my racing career, in inverted commas, does span nearly thirty years, 
And I, I remember many events like that, many a cross-country race where you just cross the line and there's no one there. And you're thinking, where's the big finish? Where's the where's the cheers? I mean, I, re I remember the uh, the 24-hour racing, um, Mountain Mayhem. One of the things that Pat Adams, the organiser, always did was when the hooter went at the end and everybody came out from lurking and flooded across the line, he always stood on the line to shake the hands of as many of the riders as you possibly could as they came in. And I think it was kind of, it, it was a little thing, but it kind of made the ending special. Do you think there's uh, races like the engine, like the North, Northumbrian, I can't even say it. Do you think they could actually learn a thing or two from stuff like that? Do you think the finishes of races needs a bit of attention? I, I've been to races, the worst thing actually, rather than coming in and getting an Aldi <laughs> ticket at the end, the worst thing is you come through the finish line and they're already taking the course down <laughs> around you. So I think there's a, like a whole cultural thing among the riders as well as the organisers at this point. Because I used to do fell running, which is very similar in that you disappear off across the moors and you come back really cold and wet and you're probably finishing in some kind of community hall if you're lucky, a church hall or something that doesn't have any heating. But there, everyone sticks around for the finish. So the last person across the line is being cheered across the line by the by the first person who might well run for the country. Um, and then the prizes are worth shit all. Like literally, there are there's a there's a race that's famous for giving out things like rolls of toilet roll and tins of beans as the prizes. But people stick around for the prize giving, and there are spot prizes that are just handed out at random to random numbers or different age categories, whatever. So it, it's not people don't stick around for the prize giving because they think they're going to win something amazing. They stick around for it because it's fun. Um, like it's a whole cultural thing that it's bad form to just go home. So even people that have like sprained their ankle and dropped out, they'll be sitting there having a cup of crap tea or whatever. Um, with a, was there with a, a presentation at the North, Naughty North? I can't yeah. say it. Naughty Northumbrian. Naughty Northumbrian. Naughty Northumbrian. Right, I got it now. <laughs> was there a promise presentation? Mm -hmm. Did you go? Nope. <laughs> Well, so I just don't believe that why? mountain bikers because I'd are been, any... I'd, I'd had to go home <laughs> as soon as possible. But I Fuck. don't believe the mountain bikers are any colder and wetter than fell runners that are coming back. I think a lot of it's to do with having a bike to deal with in a practical sense. You've got to kind of sort your bike out. By the time you've done all that, it's like it's not just hanging around, is it? You've got to deal with that expensive shit up thing. <laughs> I don't know. But so, is, what's the solution here? What should what should organisers do at the end of an enduro? I'm not complaining about North Northumbria. It was absolutely well good. All the tracks were amazing. I can't believe it's legal. Like how <laughs> hard and sketchy it was. That's brilliant. Um, and well done for doing it. It's just like you know, it's anyone to do with bikes is probably not going to be um, entirely uh, of the. Um, Someone is it mountain bikers' fault? Socially it... enthusiastic end of the spectrum. Oh, we're all going to be fucking weirdo. Most of us solitary bots. That's why we cycle, <laughs> isn't it? It's yeah, of, we do. We ride bikes to be alone. A lot of aspect of that, isn't there? You don't do. You don't ride bikes. To be we ride bikes because we're loners and we want to be on our own. So yeah, a lot of it, isn't it? That's how you get into it. It's you want yeah. to roam around you where you grow up. 
Right. Okay. Maybe the team element makes the difference because in fell mm. in fell races, quite often there's a team prize or a number of team prizes, and you need so many people to be completing the race to like maybe if it's five people have to cross the line that actually that last slow person matters because that makes the difference between you getting a team prize okay. and being eligible and not. And we don't have clubs, so we don't have teams, so. We don't have team prizes. We don't like each other, so we don't join clubs. <laughs> yeah. So maybe the, the solution is um, event organizers need to go do some fell running races and see see what they can do. Or we <laughs> just accept sociable. the. Or we just accept the fact that as mountain bikers we're just not sociable and we're never going to hang around at the end and start clapping strangers. It's a bit like going to um, you going to a, a, a graduation and having to clap other people's kids get degrees, isn't it? You know, it's like oh my god, this is going to go on for an hour and a half. I always feel sorry for the kid, the, the, the graduation kids who have uh, come in at the end of the alphabet because that's at the end of the hour and a half and people are just doing this thing. Mm. Mm. But there's, for, for events to survive, there's got to be something in it, hasn't it? So you've either got to cross the finish line and think, bloody hell, that was great, and I got to ride a route that I wouldn't have otherwise got to ride. Like You've got to finish feeling good about where you placed or the ride that you've had. Or through the course of the weekend, there's got to be like a great chance to hang out with your mates and mm. a band on the Saturday night or whatever. Like there's there's got to be something in it. Otherwise, mm. people aren't going to turn up. They're not going to pre-book. They're not going to buy tickets. And then we won't have any events. Does any level of... Well, we're going to talk about this in a minute, are we? Um, does any level of enduro racing sell product mm. good question and we'll come straight back to that after this break. hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. So you could, though, like... Uh, you could design courses, couldn't you, so that they had good viewing spots for spectators. Like like cyclocross kind of does that, and and uh, cross country to some extent does that, where the courses kind of go off and then come back in, and there's a bit where you hope mm. people might fall off in front of you. Let's just rewind. Let's just rewind a minute because and just put the context here for the listeners. We were talking before about whether EWS is is a thing anymore. Of course, it is a thing. It's happening. But we haven't heard anything this year about stuff that's going on with the EWS. It's all been downhill. So we were just wondering whether, you know, is this the end for EWS? Is it going to fizzle out now that downhill's got more 
Has it got more prominence this year? Well, so it's gone I behind think... a paywall for a start, but uh, this but this could apply mm-hmm. to any enduro where like if you had your family sitting in the field and in the different stages kind of passed within walking distance every now and again, they could jeer at you mm. and watch your gradual deterioration or something. And well, there's two issues. more of a spectator, spectator sport, wouldn't it? There's two issues. There's that, which is, you know, for the general day-to-day competitor in, in EWS events and uh, of actually making it what we were talking about before, making it a kind of an event and a festival and worthwhile going. But there's the other thing is the pro side of it. EWS is a pro event. Mm-hmm. Has that got a future? It seems to it, it's it's sort of PR levels this year seem to have dropped off a cliff. Yeah, in terms of um, people putting money into you, what do you call it elite level, elite mm-hmm. level, yeah, international racing will want either and uh, coverage or prestige, mm-hmm. and I don't doesn't feel like anyone is that bothered in terms of us, not us, as it. The audience, I don't yeah. know the audience is there anymore. Yeah, I think we've well, had it. It's and it's difficult like... to get an audience in enduro racing, isn't it? Because this is the thing; it's, it's very much a participation sport. You know, when you're going out, like you did the naughty Northumbria, and you did like a fifty-kilometer loop, you can't build spectators or even coverage into that very easily. Well, it doesn't seem like uh, they've either done what they called the organisers. Is it ESO? ESO. Or is that? Is that... Some kind of band. ESO. Right. ESO. So it doesn't feel like they've even done the same level of coverage as they used to, let alone made it better. They've actually probably done worse, in inverted commas, coverage than they've ever done before because they're spread too thin or they're now concentrating on their Halo event, which is downhill and probably, well, is XC as well, isn't it? Mm. Euro eyes, particularly. Um so well, it's like the, you could you could cover enduro better because even they've covered it better than they have done this. Yeah, <laughs> it's not about yeah. live coverage. It's about build up and track previews and GoPros and pods and bike checks and interviews and stuff. You don't have to. It doesn't have to be on the day streamed coverage. It's just even the before and after um, content has mm. been absent. Yes, and you know that there's going to be half a dozen steep stages that are going to be trickier or um corners where it's going to deteriorate and people are going to fall off whatever like it doesn't doesn't seem like beyond the realms of possibility to have somebody sat there with a drone or a gopro attached to a tree or something you know (laughs) like one of those animal trail camera things that captures wildlife when it senses motion (laughs) like oh here's a rider yeah you got that one like you know and get that stuff after the event even like that would be better than autumn watch enduro watch just have gopros in forests so or some on camera like you know things attached to their helmets i mean fair enough you're not going to have hours and hours and hours of footage but you've got time stages like here hand this over magnetic dgi thing that attaches on bang at the top yeah. of the stage there you go get to the bottom hand it over yeah, yeah. Well, it, well it's all predicated on um timing chips and things and, and 
sometimes even the sort of transcontinental races are quite exciting because you can track the riders. Maybe yeah. there's a live feed thing that they could do with Enduro, so you could track the riders crossing finish lines and, and mm. see all the times jiggle around. I mean, I mean Chris, when yeah, did, you're when... right. Dot watching. If we can find yeah. entertainment in dot watching somebody ride mm-hmm. across Australia or the length of America, you'd think, yeah, Enduro, ooh, we could, we could watch that somehow. <laughs> Maybe it's a casualty, the fact that for some strange reason... Cross country racing has suddenly begot has, has become interesting to watch. Well, that's because they've made it as gnarly as enduro, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely, yeah. The courses are brilliant. The courses are more compact. You can cover the courses. Things happen now. I mean, mm. Ben, you remember this from racing in the early days. You know, the, the, watching cross country racing was the worst thing in the world to watch because people would set off on in a, like a ten mile loop, and uh, anybody who was there to watch the racing, two things would happen. One the whole pack would disappear and then you'd go and get a brew if you were watching and do something for half an hour before the first riders came through and you saw them just whiz past. But then also with old-fashioned cross-country racing is that is that you could look 200 yards down the course from the start and whoever was at the front after 200 yards, think, yeah. they, were, they would win. Five I laps think, later, they were the winner. And there was... There was never tight racing, and now Even there if you is. There, it's, it's more about. I mean, the industry doesn't care who's watching it on the side of the tape at all. They want to know who's watching it on telly or phone, mm. don't they? Because that's x numerous times more. And I, try, I think the um, something had to be done when it got in the Olympics. It was televised, and oh my god, like the first a lot of Olympics up to and including London were just like this. Doesn't even look like it's. Uh, it didn't even look hard. It looked like a hobby. So yeah. what is this? It looks really slow and like not. There was no. You, no one could tell how difficult either physically or whatever the thing mm. was. It just looked like these people. The racing ground fields. Yeah, like and 10 you're miles right. An hour. The, whoever was leading at the end of the first lap was the winner, and they just opened mm. that gap up, and it just became boring to watch. But when you compare it to the world champs that's just happened up in Scotland. And uh, especially the Tom Pidcock in the in the short course, wasn't it? The short yeah. course racing, I think, is absolutely marvellous. And you had drama, you had tight finishes, you had sprint finishes, and then you had Tom Pidcock sort of knocking off the third place rider. Who was that? He, he practically yeah. decked by running on the inside of him and stole I third. I say that, it was racing, and he didn't do anything wrong, did Tom? He, he won fair and square. But there was there was excitement. There was something there that was... Because it was close... It's well, never been that close in the history of cross-country racing. It's always well, I been... think the audience, the people who are watching that on GCN or Eurosport, um, will now be of the opinion that um, Pinarellos are the best bike. Mm. God help us. You <laughs> must say one downhill, isn't it? Everyone thinks the V10's <laughs> really good or the demo's really good. It's oh, like, can so... you imagine how many people are going to have really miserable introductions to mountain biking having bought a Pinarello, like this well, Razor? No, yes Did and no, say because, that? So, because the people it's, it's, who buy it's... that bike are going to fucking love it because they're <laughs> just going to hammer Schottenfesten uh, fire roads in Switzerland all day long and it'll be absolutely brilliant. Oh, for fire roads? Yeah, no, I was thinking more about people buying a, buying a Pinarello like, and then, you know, going from road to, like, buy it part Wales or something. <laughs> it's just Fine. been the most traumatic experience and the bike will go back in the shed and that'll be it. <laughs> Sorry, Pinarello. Sorry. It's because it's a tool. It's a knife. It's a, it's a razor. It's a tool for a specific purpose. Mm-hmm. It's not 
for your general punter to go and roll around. But this is what events... Barry spots it down in the south. Yeah. As much as nobody likes marketing, this is what actually makes events successful, isn't it? It's this, you know, it's the fact that you can see what they're riding and there's the coverage of the bikes and this sort of thing. You don't get any of that with EWS. And maybe well, it, it started, EWS in the beginning did not have a massive media behemoth behind it and footage and all the rest of it and yet it still managed to create electrician okay well do you need to let him in oh yeah i'll be a few minutes that's all right okay we'll just chat amongst ourselves and you can laugh at the outtakes okay uh we were we're back we we had a brief interruption there because Mark's electricity got turned off and sorry about that we're not quite sure where we're at what we were talking about obviously it was scintillating um I think I'm 55 quid down oh (laughs) anyway what we were talking about before before? so I think we were talking about coverage of events and that that enduro was hard to make good to follow or watch or a spectator sport and we'd said Mm. that dot watching is a thing so it's not just in the having fancy camera angles or whatever and i think i was about to say that back in the beginning of enduro it became a thing without a behemoth of media behind it like they managed it then so the fact that it's dying a death now we also it seems mm. it must be down to a little bit more than technical coverage maybe maybe it's down to shouting about it in the right yeah. way or making it sound interesting or telling stories and so we're all uh, we're all in agreement then that ews is dying <laughs> well the, there's been like no song and dance made about it this year under mm. the kind of new structure and there seems to be a bunch of teams saying that they're not going to be in it next year mm. or they're restructuring or something's going on there. And but we don't the... think that's really, that's not necessary. Well, we don't think that's just down to EWS, do we? We've heard rumours about other things. Well, other so teams. it might, yeah, it might just be the state of the bike industry generally and starting to cut their cloth a little bit. But there is a rumour going around that the Enduro is going to become electric only. Ooh, controversial. Now, this is a rumour that I have read off rumours on rumours on rumours, so I'm not, I don't have any inside journo knowledge <laughs> here, I should point out. For those listeners who can't see the video that we're watching at the moment, Ben's eyebrows just went right up when you <laughs> said that. <laughs> I don't know. So, just, I don't know. It's hard to know whether I haven't experienced much enduro coverage this season because I haven't looked for any because I'm no longer that arsed but you're a big enduro rider now after naughty Northumbria it, said it right that time well no I, I, yeah, I was thinking about this um, a few minutes ago it's like it's not that it's a particip- partially it's because it's participation is the main reason why the event exists as opposed to results and spectating i'm not really sure international enduro really works feels like it's a not local but i think Mm. once you've gone beyond kind of a a little um regional area yeah it's quite it doesn't know whether it really scales up i suppose is the phrase because otherwise it just feels like it's falling short of being downhill 
Yeah, I mean, it is just it is rally driving, but on a mountain bike, isn't it? And the, the yeah. thing is, rally car rallying is really exciting to watch because they've got cameras in the cars and, yeah. and spectators who stand way too close on corners. And uh, but yeah, so it's hard to see how they could uh, make it exciting. But then if they're not and there's teams pulling out, yeah. Maybe it's just going to fall back. It's just going to be... Just to scale it down, aren't they? Maybe yeah. It'll have to just... You grassroots can, You can grassroots still have UCI events. Isn't there... Um, what's it called, where they spin round on bikes? Spin round on bikes? Well, like, oh, um, like, oh, the uh, dancing thing. Yeah, that's a UCI yeah. event, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't have to be... It's just... I don't think it can be... As it turns out, it doesn't look like it can be as big as they may want the two main genres... Of mountain biking, but sort of maybe in. maybe it doesn't scale up as well because it kind of works if you're more of a privateer and you pack your bike up and your bag up and you've got to maintain your own bike and you sleep in the back of a van or in a tent or on someone's floor mm. or whatever and it's sort of semi-professional-ish kind of thing that you... but then once you scale it up to teams and pits and a pro mechanic that follows you around and advertising and banners and all that sort of stuff suddenly mm. it's not just somebody getting on a plane it's a whole plane full of people getting on a plane and the expense of that is kind of exponential isn't it i mean it works for dh but then you can have the coverage that's it and without the coverage you can't see as a team where you're going to get the payback Where's mm. where's the return on that investment going to come from if no one's actually following it, no one's actually watching it? It's uh, yeah, it just seems to be a bit flawed in that respect. Then again, our our very own Matt Letch pioneered. I was reading the other day race coverage like of the Trans Provence live race coverage, where they would have by the end of the day photos and a race report from each stage sent out to all the journal publications on some kind of crazy dial-up you know this was before the internet was fast from a village in the remote part of france now if you can create hype and coverage of something in that situation you should be able to do it in the modern day and create something that makes at least a small team worthwhile you know maybe maybe they're like a gang of privateers that are all happen to be riding the same brand of bikes rather than a full-on like we've got team support and the masses that comes with us and all of that shizzle um That's a very good point the uh, trans provence was well represented from a media point of view wasn't it from mm. the information that came out of it to us it, yeah it, uh, it was free-flowing it was good and it, and it does need to be like that like mm. we do not have well, hours of the day yeah. to put news reports together so it kind of needs to come in as here's a gallery of pictures and here's some text and you can copy and paste and drop them in now yeah. that is definitely not what we're getting we're getting something that's more like a newsletter i think the transprovence had a lot of money behind it from mavic followed by santa cruz it wasn't like it was done out of the keenness of racing mm. or someone was particularly doing it for the love they had a lot of money behind it and once that was realised, not a lot of money coming back. <laughs> Pulled the plug. Well, and now and there's they... it's become Santa Cruz Stone King. Yeah. Well, but that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because that that's the brands sponsoring the event and mm. getting the coverage for themselves yeah. out of it. Now, this is 
ESO, Discovery, whatever, covering an event and giving other brands yeah. coverage out of it rather than themselves. Mm. Like, And the people who so, pay for the cameras and the coverage are... People always ask, like, why are they protected riders? Because it's the protected teams who pay six-figure sums or whatever to keep the whole thing rolling. That's why we have protected riders. It's not fair because if we didn't have those, there wouldn't be an event. And I don't think there are that many. I don't know really know about the money involved in Enduro, but the, the teams can't be paying that much uh, to take part. And they just... If there's no money in, like, anything in this terribly unfair world, if there's no money, it doesn't happen. Yeah. So who's who's pulling out of downhill? I don't know about downhill actually. Well, I think don't know. So again, confirmed it's all... enduro is. I can't remember ibis. Is that right or something? So it's there's rumor and and further rumor and conjecture as well. I think uh, Da Vinci has definitely said they're not doing enduro in the current formats. That's that's the bin men outside doing the recycling. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Da Vinci's like issued a statement. GT seems to be broadly and widely accepted that they're not doing enduro, um, and Katie Winton hasn't got a ride for next year, for example, oh. and she's potentially retiring, I think. Um, and then uh, Dan Wolf has retired from enduro from Polygon, which has made people wonder whether. Polygon's going to do it again next year, or whether it's just him retiring. Um, yeah, Ibis, I'm not quite sure. that I haven't seen anything like official from Ibis. I haven't found anything official, but that seems to be accepted that they're not going to be enduroing, certainly in the current format. But what's to say that some of these brands aren't going to do the American enduro series or whatever, which is a massive spectator sport. Like, there's... Um, there's a bunch of like uh, local-ish, like I guess their equivalent of PMBA or whatever. Mm. And it is a massive party in the woods. People go and spectate and they film bits and they share clips and it's all over Instagram. Like there's an expo with it. So maybe some brands aren't going to do the EWS, but they will carry on doing gravity events within mm. the States or New Zealand or whatever. Um, Interesting yeah. stuff. So, um, yeah, so, but rumours rumors from downhill seem to be lots of discontent in the pits um, and quite a lot of uncertainty. About, what's, bringing, what's the discontent about? Uh, I think inconsistency in events. Like, you turn up and you don't know what your pit space yeah. is going to be like and what the infrastructure is going to be like and one think, time it's yeah, brilliant the, and the next time yeah. it's terrible. And The overall arching concern appears to be a lack of communication. It's yeah. about everything, isn't it? Yeah. It's all they're moaning about, really, whether it's just the fact they don't know what's going on. Um, and that's been like that since the get-go, hasn't it? Do you remember like, this time last year? Well, we didn't year, know what was, was happening. Like, is there even any room? Is it going to happen? Yes. Can we have some info? Where is it? Mm. Um, yeah, it just feels like the people behind it might have been currently being stretched gossamer thin. Mm. And, um, which which is entirely... The, um, 
I don't, it'll depend whether how many people signed up per month to GCN and Eurosport, won't it? To see whether it's mm. any better next year. Well, and I imagine that there's a big shuffling of envelopes going on within that whole like company structure, given that mm. there seems to be what is it, ten million dollars mm. in the in the hole or something. Like yeah. I, I can imagine yeah. that the people that are actually on the ground who riders are communicating with quite possibly don't have answers and don't mm. know what's coming and are still arguing for funding for this or that the next year. And yeah. I don't think it's a secret to say that actually we can... More rumours that are actually slightly more fact than rumour, but GCN itself is kind of on the market. Mm. It's up for sale. Mm. And uh, there's a few interested parties out there vying, well, maybe looking into acquiring it and whether the new owners, whether they continue with the expense of uh, sponsoring downhill coverage and all the rest of it. Who knows? So, yeah, there's a bit of uncertainty floating around, isn't there? I don't know about the structure of that. I don't know whether ESO is part of GCN or GCN is part of ESO. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm. where where the hierarchy sits. Well, GSN is where the coverage comes from. That's uh, yeah. you know, that's uh, that's the organisation that's taken over from yeah. Red Bull in covering all the downhill. It's so yeah, so it's all a bit Warner uncertain Brothers. at the moment. Isn't it, isn't it ultimately Warner Brothers? Mm. Yes, yeah, down the line. Yeah, I think we should bring back. Uh, was it Rocky Road? Remember that Rocky Road? Oh, remember them? The <laughs> website that suddenly the announced... website that popped Briefly. up out of nowhere, claiming millions of uh, yeah readers, and the UCI fell for it. And uh, yeah, wow, that was a that's a debacle. I bet the okay, UCI so would like I'm, to forget. I'm too young to remember. Let's have a, <laughs> a brief that? synopsis from you two aged folks. Oh, mid noughties <laughs> was it? And it was, it was like, yeah. Whoever was taking over when they when this down, I think it was downhill only. Whatever with the who's in charge when they, you run out of owning running the downhill world cup, <laughs> they put it out to tender. I don't really know. That's right, yeah. And then it was announced that the new organisers of the World Cup downhill... God, it was a really long name, wasn't it? It was, it was Rocky Road. The, Rocky the other Road. Website. Rocky Road was the website. And it was supposed to be a media website. Yes. It was, you know, full of reviews and all the rest, you know, content. And uh, they went in with a pitch claiming that they had something like 5 million unique users a month coming to the website. Which was patently and easily provably wrong. That that was, and uh, but the UCI went for it, and they uh, and for I think a, one year, this website with no traffic. Here we go, yeah, two thousand eleven. No traffic suddenly yeah. became one of the largest sponsors of cycling in the world. Um, yeah, kind of. It had parallels with uh, what was that energy drink? I was, I was just thinking, is yeah. that, that rich energy thing? So it so, was a bit rich energy like. Yeah. So was the whole thing a spoof or a scam? What 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 happened? No, was there a I think one? it was. I think basically, Rocky, whoever was behind the Rocky Road brand and that thought, look, if we can convince the UCI and get our foot in the door there, the traffic will come afterwards because yeah. we will be the sponsor. Whereas the, what they pitched to the UCI was, we can bring this audience to you. We have 5 million, which was a lie. We have all these viewers and readers, and we'll bring them to you, to the UCI. So there was this complete 180-degree um, campaign of, well, bullshit, really. <laughs> so we had a, we had a, a Rocky Road um, sponsor, yeah. which was yeah. a it was website be from the, nowhere. It never happened, but it was going to be... The... 
It was going to be the 2012 Rocky Roads UCI Mountain Bike World Cup presented by Shimano. And well, so, so did it actually happen? Were they the sponsor no. for the year? I don't know what did happened they get for 2012. Found out? Someone... I think basically all became clear when everybody, including us, the rest of the media around the world went, wait, what? Who? Who are you? I think there's enough people going, who are these people that I think the UCI and Shimano probably went, ah, right, yeah, we maybe should have done a little bit more due diligence before we said yes. Well, it's another another UCI casting themselves in glorious light, isn't it? Oh, I don't know about that one. They don't have a great pedigree, do they, UCI? <laughs> Bless them. Oh, it must be so hard for them. <laughs> well, so hard, perpetuating cor- corruption. <laughs> Oh, steady on now. Steady on. <laughs> I don't know who, what happened in that. What happened is the Yeah, there's any listeners out there can remember that far back and, you know, I guess you know, tell, tell us what happened. Or knew the person behind Rocky Road. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Well, so uh, is there a sustainable future for mountain bike elite racing? What would it look like, I wonder? Well, it's really hard, isn't it? Because uh, as as we know from the GCN situation at the moment, they're, what, 10 million in the hole um, from a turnover? I think there's something like a turnover of 27 million and they are uh, 10 million uh, loss, something like that. Those are the numbers I seem to remember. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I mean, the coverage, we've, we've covered the coverage. You know, we the, the coverage itself was news and we covered the coverage and said that it was pretty good. And... Uh, you know, it's not bad, and it's a great start. And but if you if it costs that much to put these things on, you've got to wonder, yeah, how is downhill going to survive beyond just grassroots? You know, if we're saying that uh, enduro, it's undoubtedly it's a great format, it's brilliant to race, it's a great thing to participate in, so it's got a future. But whether it gets anything more than just grassroots, and you know, it's just there for the riders, not the not the sponsors. Uh, who knows? It doesn't look good at the moment, and uh, maybe downhill's going to have its critical moment this year and next. It's going to be interesting to watch. It's good. Uh, um, it's fortunate that the um, the actual racing is probably the best it's ever been, mm. and downhill on both men's and women's, it's by far the best, particularly men's, like. Any, how many? The twelve. There's probably twelve people you could name quite quickly who could win any of them. Yeah, it's never been like that. It's yeah. always been like someone's bound to win unless they crash or there's a freak result. It's like there's not really a favourite anymore. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think my my thoughts are. I and think it's they saving will find the day. I, yeah, I think because of that, because the racing is so good at the moment. Um, I think whether it's GCN, whether they offload it. Whether it's sold, you know, GCN sold and bought by somebody else, but I think I, f- I feel in my bones that it it will continue. There will be coverage. Whether it makes any money in the future, who knows? That's but there's so many uh, things get bought by so many rich people that don't make money and <laughs> fail. That you know, and, there'll and always be somebody along in a minute to buy it up. And we don't really know whether it's a perfect storm of new organisers and the bike industry not having any money or whether, you know, on their own, one or other issue would be enough to cause this level mm. of, like, discontent and uncertainty. 
But I mean, Ibis, uh, if, if it's true that Ibis is stopping doing enduro, they've only just made a new enduro bike. GT kind of makes sense because GT is now part of the whole POM thing with Santa Cruz and Cannondale. And I think the habit has been getting like mm. good vibes all round. So maybe that becomes the enduro brand and GT is the BMX brand. I don't know, but the dirt jump brand. Mm. But yeah, if you've got a big house of bikes, you probably want to have some kind of distinction between the the different brands. Yeah. So to summarize, there's a lot of uncertainty around racing at the moment, both (laughs) downhill and enduro. But we think it's going to continue in some shape or form in the future. The brands value it, clearly. Uh, the ones who are probably a bit grumpy at the moment and threatening to pull out are not because it's not it's worthless to them, just be, for other logistical reasons, you know, and organisational reasons. So I think there's every every reason to be optimistic that we're still going to be watching downhill at a very at an elite level next year. Whether we'll be a, Watching if anybody does even watch uh, any kind of enduro, I'm, I'm I'm less certain about that. I think enduro as a format is probably yeah. not going to be elite level. It's just going to be more grassroots, and that's great. I think that's that's absolutely fine. The fun in that event is doing it. Mm. But I think what is concerning though is the kind of long term future, because. It, by all accounts, it is almost impossible to be a privateer or a small team at the moment. And if you don't have that, then you don't have people coming through the ranks to be the next batch of riders. And Benji's saying the racing is great at the moment because there's loads of really good riders there. Hmm. Um, and we're going to have this gap where who who takes over when other people are injured or retire? Um, cool. Like, yeah. Anyway, listeners, what do you think? (laughs) What's going to be the shape of uh, mountain bike racing next year and into the future? Let us know. You can uh, comment on this story if it's on the website and uh, let us know. Mm -hmm. What else have we got to cover? Is that it? Mm -hmm. Well, what have we got coming up? We've got Rampage uh, announced, riders announced, G Atherton. Uh, G's going to do Rampage. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a few people on there, the, a few people not on the list that um, people thought should be on the list, um, and that there are old turnips and that sort of thing. So it'll be interesting to see that. There was a massive fight kicked off on the uh, Red Bull Instagram over the fact that there's no women there again, no women on the invite list, and the cancelled formation this year. Um, so yeah, uh, people saying that. It's not moving with the times. Mm. Mm-hmm. So. I've always had, uh, I've always felt uncomfortable about Rampage. I, know I just do. think it's 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 kind of gladiatorial. It's a bit bloodthirsty. It's like bigger, harder, more risk every year. And at some point, I'm going to sound really old now, and I've said this before. At some point, someone's going to have a really nasty accident. Someone could die doing that. And uh, I just wonder what will be the outcome when or if hopefully never happens but if that happens i think it could be transformational to to that kind of event because it 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 is the health and safety just doesn't get a look in it's just no it does it does but 
yeah, riders are making choices. Mm. Mm. But um, they're they're being encouraged to make those choices. They're being encouraged to go bigger, better, harder, higher. And uh, I just think there's well, only so G far seems, you can go. G seems to be managing to do that enough on his own. Uh, that video mm. we published in the Dolomites was pretty like... <gasps> I struggled to watch that more than I did the um, Rampage, to be honest. It's unusual, the um, announcement of G having a go, isn't it? Because um, he doesn't do any tricks. No. So is this meaning it's going back? Is it deliberate heart back to just sketchy lines? Which is what I particularly was more interested in. But a lot of people do say, oh, it's just buddy. It's just another slope style event, which it is. Yes, yeah, it is. It's just gap jumping, isn't it? Yeah. That's... I don't think I've ever seen G do anything, even like a tabletop. <laughs> Oh, you'll get down anything. You, and you do those all the time, don't you, Benji? No, I'm not, I'm not, I've not signed up to Rampage, but what? It's a trick event, isn't it? Well, that's what it's turned it, into. It has been more of a trick event, yeah. Well, Although Braga, totally he, event, he's not so much of a tricker, and he was Which doing Which is also, that's why Seminook's not doing it, because I think there's going to be a big tricks squashing. Oh, do you think? Yeah. Mm, interesting. Well, Seminook's not doing it because he's rally driving, isn't he? No, he's doing it because there's no tricks and he's got rally driving to pretend he's doing There's a reason why he's not doing that. Oh. So <laughs> Who the hell cares that Seminox does rally driving in rally Rampage. driving circles? No one. You think Rampage is going to like adjust the scoring so that it's all about how scary it was instead of how tricky it was? Hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm always, I always think that any event where you've got judges doing scores yeah. is dodgy. I mean, look at ice skating. Is that what mountain biking is going to become? Do they hold up cards with the scores on? Don't know. I don't know what they're doing. Slope style things. Yeah, they do it in snowboarding as well. They, yeah, they have these events in snowboarding where judges are just uh, giving marks out of ten for for the tricks and and stuff. And yeah. Anyway. Well, so I I showed rampage. Well, I was describing rampage to friends who don't cycle, don't mountain bike the other day, and. Yep. But they've seen some of the local trails and jump spots and stuff. And so uh, I was describing it and they were like, okay, oh, that sounds a bit dangerous. Like backflip, really? Okay. And then I got my phone out and showed them some of the footage. And it was like watching somebody on a roller coaster. It was amazing. Like they were physically moving around, like their heads were sort of lolling and they're, oh, oh, whoa. Like they had no idea of the scale of it. So now, if anyone's listening, I highly recommend you have a watch party of Rampage with people who have no clue about cycling. Because <laughs> watching them watch Rampage was amazing. <laughs> and then Go. I watched, I uh, showed them. Um, I showed them Seminook's uh, one-take um, clip and, and they were suitably impressed by that. So people that don't ride can appreciate the... This is a, this is the birth of, of a new format. You know how you, you unashamedly stole Radio 4's Desert Island Discs? Uh-huh. Maybe we steal goggle box, but we do it with Rampage. We get people to sit <laughs> and then we film them watching Rampage. That oh, that yeah. I would I would watch that. I would watch your mum watching uh, <laughs> Rampage, Mark. <laughs> and that would be good value. Yeah, yeah, mum, I've done that. I do that. Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Right, shall we wrap it up? I think uh, yeah. we've covered quite a lot this week. Sorry about the <laughs> the electrician interruption earlier on. Yeah, I'm sure it was all the more 
disjointed and nonsensical <laughs> for the interruption. Yeah. I've got to go yeah. away and edit this now and make sense yeah. of everything that we've talked about. It'll be fine. It'll be good. Yeah. Right. All right then. Well, thanks everyone for for joining us. Um, and and we're back for more than, more of this in another week or so. All right. Well, I bet, I bet it's about is it the awards special next one. Oh yeah, watch out for the awards Probably. next week. Maybe. Yeah, we'll mention the awards next week and anyway. yeah. we'll talk about it. Good, good. In, inter, interception there. Yeah, Benji, nice. Yeah. All right, folks. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.